What is up, NHL fans? It is Tuesday. This is your morning cup of hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We're going to talk about the Beanpot final last night. We're going to talk to Frank Saravelli, the NHL insider, about his trade target list and which teams might be making some moves here in the next coming weeks. We're also going to talk about some of last night's quotes from Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils out of their locker room. And we'll hit on everything else regarding the NHL and what is trending right now. But before we get into that, Colby, it's snowing a lot today. How's the snow by you? Because it's coming down very, very hard here in New York City. Yeah, 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 definitely. When I uh, went outside this morning with the dogs, it was uh, caught off guard to say the least. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully it stops soon. I got to be honest with you, two snowstorms in in one year in this area doesn't seem quite right. So um it's good to hear you got a little bit of energy this morning. I guess you must have got a good night's sleep last night. All you've been doing lately is complaining about your lack of sleep. But I got to tell you, not thrilled with that bean pot fish. I know, mm. I know you were uh, you had the Rangers last night, right? You were you were yeah, at MSG, so you night. probably didn't see yeah. it. Um, disappointing night for for my terriers. Uh, Macklin Celebrini had a, had a good game. Um, probably not his best game. He didn't dominate the the entire game. I mean. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe he did dominate most of the game, but he just, you know, wasn't able to uh, to get one there late in the game or in the third period. But got to credit Northeastern. They've won five of the last six bean pots. They they seem to be trending in the right direction right now. They got some big plays by by some of their their players. Um, same kid Gunner got Wolf the overtime name, best name in all yeah, hockey. Same, same kid got the game winner last week for them and the previous year. Um, in overtime. So this kid's becoming a little bit of an overtime hero for Northeastern and the bean pot gunner Wolf Fontaine is the kid's name. Um, but, uh, I mean, great event, good game. You know, you can only ask for a tight game like that. The, the bean pot final generally is a really good game. I mean, even if the teams have big ranking discrepancies, it's just, it's a big event. The energy's great. You kind of find out, uh, who can, who can deal with the pressure and who can't. Um, so, you know, all in all, uh, another successful year of the bean pot, even though BU lost, um, uh, it, it definitely, uh, stings a little bit when they were winning all game. And when they gave up that goal in overtime, I was just like, you gotta be fucking shitting me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was <laughs> and just I saw like, it's now five of the last six years that Northeastern's won. That's a bit yeah, of a dynasty. Yeah. And, and they hadn't, and it's funny cause I mean, they, they, even through when I was in school, which I left in 2010, they had barely ever won one, you know, and, and ever since they've been on their little run, uh, they, they seem to be winning more of those than everybody else. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it is a great tournament though. Like it, it's, it's something that I, I didn't know anything about, um, being from Philadelphia. And I think a lot of people don't know much about the bean pot, but, it's the same four schools every year, BU, BC, Northeastern, and Harvard. First two Mondays in February. Um, they play at the TD Garden. The, the The second game is always sold out and packed, especially when it's BU, BC. The student sections are unbelievable. The bands are there. It, it's it's cool because you, you get that college environment, that college sports environment in a big building. Um, and, and it's really cool because, you know, NHL games don't have bands and horn sections. And, and mm-hmm. so it, it, it's a lot of fun. It really is. You get to see a lot of future NHL players and, you know, look, it was, an, it was another opportunity to watch, you know, Celebrini just 
show everyone why he is the most special player outside of probably the entire NHL. I mean, he he's the best player in the world that's not in the NHL. He really is. And he's mm-hmm. not even drafted yet. I mean, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a better prospect out there right now than Macklin Celebrini. Is there a team that you want to see him go to specifically in the NHL come draft time? Or Look, I, I would love to see him go to Chicago um, because I think having him in Bedard would be absolutely Absurd. unbelievable. I think that would create um, a, a potential you know, another run of, of, of show of a dynasty there in Chicago. And, you know, I really want Kyle Davidson to be successful. I think getting Celebrini would all but cement Stanley cups for him one day. Um, but I would say my second choice, I would love to see him potentially in San Jose, even though it's such a small market out on the West coast, but I want to see Mike Greer get a little bit of love. I mean, he took over the San Jose sharks and, and it's been a tough stretch. I mean, he got handed a, uh, an absolute dumpster fire and him and David Quinn are, are, you know, two close personal friends, um, both be you guys, you know, Quinny, I played for, for a huge chunk of my career and, you know, Greerzy, I, I used to, you know, be in a, a workout group in the summer at Mike Boyles, him, Pandolfo, Hal Gill. Um, you know, we had a great group of, of, of young guys and older pros like those guys and just getting to be around those guys are, was, was amazing. So I root for guys like that, but ultimately I want Celebrini in a big market, you know, like a Chicago or, or a big, big ass hockey market would, would be unbelievable. I think it'd be cool if he went to Chicago also, but I feel like it's still somewhat just unfair. Like the Blackhawks, you know, they get the three cups in, in what a, a five year, six year. Yeah, but they dra- Listen, they drafted well. It's not unfair. Listen, they, they, they got one first overall pick. That was Kane, a little bit of mm-hmm. luck. You know, they drafted Taves third overall. You know, Keith and Seabrook were not top five overall picks. Those guys were found um, a little bit later. You know, I think Seabrook was a second. I forget where Keith went. But they went out, they drafted Halmerson, and, like, they did an unbelievable job of drafting the right core and developing the right core. And they were terrible all through the, the early 2000s. They could barely get anybody in the Chicago State in the building. And, and then, you know, they, they drafted and developed and I, and I appreciate that type of, you know, way to win. And they got, they hit, man. I mean, how many teams miss on the first overall pick, let alone getting Jonathan Taves on the, with the third overall pick. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. You're talking to someone who knows that firsthand experience. So with the Rangers, I mean, they go one, two and like, or two, one, and you know, that could have reshaped them for the next 15 years. And it didn't. You know, no disrespect to those players, but they're not franchise cornerstones. So just think about Bedard Celebrini as your two centers. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Like that would be so great for the NHL. It really would. Chicago's a massively important market. Um, You know, a massively important market. So I really believe in what the hockey ops are doing in Chicago, you know, with Kyle Davidson, Ben, Ben Eaton, um, excuse me, Mark Eaton is the assistant general manager in charge of player development. What an awesome guy he is. What a smart individual he is. So um, yeah, I think that would be really cool. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think he's, he's going first overall. So the, 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 the tank is on. It just depends who gets lucky enough in the lottery to, to get him. But 
Um, I do think that we have Frank Saravelli in the studio ready to join us. So let's welcome in our friend, NHL insider, Frank Saravelli. Frank, how's the snow by you this morning? You do some shoveling this morning? No shoveling, but I'm wearing a white sweatshirt. First time I've worn a yeah, white hoodie. And uh, yeah, we can I look see like through you. On your, I look like a blizzard on your screen. So maybe this is a one and done. <laughs> well, I think this is I think this is actually perfect timing for Frank to come onto the show because you know, uh, Johnny was just talking about how it's unfair that Chicago continues to get these number one overall picks. And the next unfair, the, well, the, the, the a, next sentence that was coming out of my mouth, Frank, was that you were literally in the room for the process of them picking, mm-hmm. doing the lottery. And maybe you'll be back there again next year. I have no idea. Obviously, it's a ways away, but you were there to make sure it was fair. Well, just, oh, just I'm to not saying the, the process. process is unfair. Yeah, yeah. I, I just meant as a fan that the Blackhawks, you know. I'll, I'll tell you what. Here's yeah. the thing that, you know, everyone kind of has their criticism about the NHL draft lottery and the process. The one thing I really like about Chicago winning the lottery last year is they came by it honestly. They didn't tank. Think yeah. back to the last few weeks of the season and some yep. of the massive wins that they had that put down other teams. Yeah. They beat the Flames in Calgary. They beat the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Philly in overtime. The Penguins season. They go to overtime with the Flyers late at late last game of the year, second to last game of the year. Yeah. I was I, I mean there's, there's nothing about it that was like, hey, you know, obviously their roster and what they had on the ice, there were limitations to it. But no one had ever walked in there and said, hey, don't play hard today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you end up winning the lottery by chance again, you know, to me, that that's just I, I, I don't know if karma exists. I don't know if that's a such thing, if that has anything to do with it. But at least I can appreciate the process of yeah. how they arrived there. Well, there's and you a look whole at the way conspiracy they, video on YouTube about the Buddy Robinson goal against Pittsburgh that like changed the hockey world forever because Florida then goes on their playoff run. The Penguins missed the playoffs. Uh, the Blackhawks get Bedard. It's like this whole thing about that. Game Whatever deep state world. you think exists and, and conspiracy, like I, I'm just here to tell you, I was in the room and I understand what you're saying about the goal and all the permutations that unravel from that. Mm-hmm. I watched the draft lottery process unfold. There was no monkey business. Well, <laughs> and, and you look at the way they've done it this year. They put a roster together that should have been way better than this with, with guys like Taylor Hall and Corey Perry and Athens CU. And like, they should not be where they're at. They should be bad, but they shouldn't be as bad as they are with an American league roster. So again, like they didn't build the team to finish and last this year. Like potentially they did the year before. So we'll see if karma gets on their side again, because Johnny and I were talking about that, that Celebrini Bedard, that, that could be freaking serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, since you said unfair, that would also, if they were to win this year, they'd be the first team to win twice in a five-year period of time since that new rule was instituted. So they would not be able to win again until 2030, I think. Wait, what is the rule? Yeah, so I, the didn't rule is if you, I didn't know that. The new rule that was put into place a couple years ago, that if you win twice in a five you can only win as many as two times in a five in any five-year span so the fact that they won in 2023 if they win again in 2024 then they can't win again i think until 
twenty thirty or something, whatever the so math. We'll, is. So, so what would happen, Frank, if if they were to like three years in a row get that ping pong ball? Do they just move to second, or they don't even nope. get to be in the lottery? No, I think they. Yeah, because they still should be up they, for like the winning second, second is is technically winning a lottery spot the way it works now. So I think that they'd go to fourth. Gotcha. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. I had that's no a good idea rule. About- yeah, it's a good rule. Yeah, but that helps kind of eliminate some of the belly aching that you're talking about. I think, and I didn't hear the whole premise of the conversation. But if you can only win twice in five years, your incentive to get a lot better after that is pretty significant because you don't want to be in that spot where you're thirty yeah. second place and you can only pick fourth. Well, which Johnny, by the way still remains the most likely scenario. The Blackhawks yeah. are still likely to finish thirty second. But seventy-five percent of their odds, or sixty percent of their odds, is to is to draft fourth. Right. Well, Johnny's going to bellyache no matter what. But he wasn't bellyaching when when the Rangers had the second overall pick and then the first overall pick. He was celebrating like a like a high school uh, cheerleader. So um, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. His Rangers will be back there within the next couple of years. Probably like three, probably three or four years, not not the next three years, but three or four years. But speaking of teams that have incentive to get better, Frank, well, I no, spent no, some they're time. not because they're not going to have any draft picks. So <laughs> that's true. Well, no, they're going to save all the draft picks for the sphere this year. No, that, that's actually people. not true, by the way. I know. Yeah, I know. I saw that. But do you want to touch on that? I don't know if you want to. I mean, watch that. Not not particularly just that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think anything of the 2024 draft being held at an MSG venue is going to get in the way of Chris Drury improving this team at the deadline. If he wants to, I didn't think that was real. Cause the Rangers also really don't leak that kind of information. So that seemed like one big lie when it first came out anyway. And well, you know, Ranger fans are pretty gullible. about what it's just kind of similar to when they said Dolan was the one who made Chris Drury get Patrick Kane. Like, and then I heard Drury was pissed about that kind of stuff because it wasn't true. I mean, from what yeah, I understand, makes him look like, weak too. Yeah. But it but it does sound like shit that Dolan does. I mean, he does get a reputation for meddling with the Knicks, especially hardcore. Yeah. So why wouldn't he do it with the Rangers? From what I, I've I don't understood. know anything about him or how he conducts business. Just that uh, apparently the stories I hear is he's he wants to win and he doesn't mind being aggressive. So whatever that means to get there, that's the path that they'll take. Well, speaking of being aggressive. What I was trying to get into before the whole sphere thing came up, I, I forgot how it even came up, but uh, I spent time yesterday with the Calgary Flames. I spoke, I spoke to Andre Kuzmenko, Igor Sharangovich, and um, Ryan Huska, and we talked about, you know, obviously all the outside noise regarding the team right now, you know, amidst their four-game winning streak at the time they lost last night. But mm-hmm. this is a team that's been winning hockey games since the All-Star break. They're now just three points back in the second wild card spot. Does that hinder them from being aggressive? at the deadline or is the plan still intact to be sellers? Look, the plan is the plan is the plan. You don't for one 10 day stretch that your team plays well, you don't alter what is a franchise engineered building process, right? Like you don't suddenly, you know, alter course and and submit new drawings to the engineering department. That doesn't, that doesn't work. So what the flames are looking at the real big question that that remains is just a definitive answer one way or the other on, on Noah Hannafin and, and what happens next. Are you re-signing him? And if not, are you trading him? He's, he's been atop the trade targets board for a week. Now, the fact that this has lingered on as, as long as it has 
Um, I think at least gives me a pretty good indication of, you know, where this is trending. But short of that, I mean, they've already done a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, think back to last summer, Tyler Toffoli, Nikita Zadarov earlier this season, then during the All-Star break, Elias Lindholm. You've got two key pieces left that are pending UFAs, Hannafin and then Tanev. And that's a pretty enviable spot to be in if you're the Calgary Flames, because even if you're keeping Noah Hannafin, then you still have the premier rental defenseman on the market and available in Tanev that a lot of teams are are excited for and think he might be one of those missing piece type players to add to their team in a, in a contending role. So they're in a good spot. Uh, they've done well with the trades that they've made to this point, and they're building methodically to try and have a 10 year period of time where they can be a competitive team. It's going to take them two to three years to get there. This is retool, not rebuild. And I think one of the exciting things that you're starting to see is, well, Hey, Kuzmenko, he's developing some chemistry with Jonathan Huberto and entering last night's game, Huberto kind of quietly 16 points in his last 16 games. So those types of things, you know, you try and make some small improvements, try and find some pieces that fit. Others may not and continue to reshape your team. But as far as being swayed by a last ditch run to be the eighth seed, I mean, we only have to go back to Daryl Sutter a couple years back to his famous quote, a waste of eight days. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what the flames would be looking at if they were to keep their pieces just to try and get into the last wild card spot. And Frank, I know that he's not on your trade target list, but have you heard any noise around Jacob Markstrom? Because, you know, this seems like a guy, if they're not going to be contenders in the playoffs, you know, a guy that could be on the move for a team like the Devils that do need a goalie pretty much ASAP. Yeah, I think the Devils and Flames were pretty far down the track on a Markstrom deal. And I think it did get to his level to uh, approve it. I think there were no issues there. And I think somehow somewhere along the way that trade was scuttled don't know how don't know why um but they were pretty close to to nailing it down and you would have seen jacob markstrom become a new jersey devil i think at some point uh last week so oh wow again i i don't know what happened but there was a lot going on and I guess the next thing for me when it comes to answering the Markstrom question is one, can this be revisited? My answer is probably not uh, based on the way it played out. And two, now what is there another team that would be willing to step up and pay what would probably be a pretty significant price in order for Calgary to reshape their goaltending scenario. They have to do it anyway, because well, Dustin they have Wolf, Wolf, right? Yeah. yeah, Dustin yeah. Wolf and Markstrom's the, 34. He's 34 years old. He's old. Well, but, but he's played so well and goalies can play as Marc-Andre Fleury can attest to, you know, to 40. Um, there, there's no reason why the age part of it is an issue really for New Jersey. The key part in getting Markstrom is not just that he's played really well, but that he has term. Mm-hmm. What New Jersey really needs more than anything is stability. They, they need to nail down their goalie situation and just set it and forget it, not talk about it for the next couple of years. And that's what Markstrom would have provided. And that's why he's such an attractive option. But for another team, how many other teams are really in the market for that kind of term? Right. Yeah. Off the top of my head, none that I could think of. 
Well, so then I guess that means Frank that Flurry wouldn't be they wouldn't be in the rental market for a guy like Flurry, New Jersey, right? Because they could I be. Mean, you do, but you I think, think there's other teams that would be ahead of them on the rental market. I mean, look, the best time to address your goalie situation bar none is in the summer. Every summer there's like 35 guys available, and I'm not exaggerating as the game of goalie musical chairs spins. Um, short of that, I, I look at a couple other teams, Colorado and Carolina, that really make a lot of sense for Marc-Andre mm-hmm. Fleury. Carolina, they've just had injury after injury. Ronta goes down. Anderson's still working his way back. Kochetkov was playing really well. Then he had the concussion. Colorado, they've made it clear that Georgiev has played too much. So the big thing for Fleury is if he's willing to waive his his no trade, which he has complete control over, he's only going to do it to a place that he wants to, he wants to play. He's not uh, as well liked as he is. He's not a cheerleader. He doesn't want to just come to a contending team, smile on the bench and open the door. That's, that's not his plan. He wants to contribute and impact a team. Colorado should have lots of ice time available in the second half of the season as they get Georgiev into prime shape for the playoffs and Carolina I mean, he could be the guy that comes in, takes the crease and runs with it, you know, until the end of the year. So um, I think there's more attractive options out there for him really than New Jersey. And like I said, New Jersey needs stability. Yeah. And and you think about Carolina, that's usually a pretty hospitable place for a goaltender. I mean, you just look at the, the way they operate, you know, the way they defend the way that they, you know, back pressure the puck. They're, they're not a team that generally plays, uh, high risk, high reward hockey. So I feel like that's a place where Flurry could go and and probably have success right away um, because you just see like goaltenders that we probably didn't know anything about or or um, are young succeed there in Carolina just based on the the system. Um, so so if you were Flurry, that's where you would like. Let's say you you had your chance to pick. That's where you'd go. I, I would say, yeah, I, I think that would be the place where he could go with the most opportunity and a place right. that he ha- would yeah. have the most ch- chance at winning. I mean, we we look at that team and like they're always right there knocking on the door. They're still missing that superstar. They need to be aggressive. Like their window is not going to stay open forever. So if they can go out and get flurry and and probably overpay for him because that's they're what not, happens. It's not going to be expensive. A couple years ago, before joining Mini, he went for. A second, a second round pick. Right. He is it's probably a third now. Okay. So let's just say it's a second or a third. If it's a competitive market, maybe they got to give a second. I don't think that's that's I think I don't think that's a waste. I think that's a smart decision because again, Carolina's core group of who makes them successful, they're not getting any younger. I'm not saying they're old, they're not getting younger. Okay, just look at me. Who is getting younger? <laughs> Stop saying that they're not well, getting any younger. No one reload. on this planet is. Last time some, I checked, some teams get younger. Some teams reload with young players. Some teams you see all these young players ready to come in and take the next step. And you just look at Carolina. They've had that group of players together for a while. That window's not going to stay open forever. Johnny, well, it's, it's changing gonna... this year. Shea and Pesci are both up on the back end, and Pesci's Martin never going to stay. Up. And he's never staying in Carolina after his last contract negotiation that got a little bit ugly. He He's not staying in Carolina. Well, we actually, they, do I don't have think they've pre- even made him an offer to be fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, right there, there was some back and forth this past summer. I know that to be a fact, but it, it wasn't pretty. And so now, um, 
But I disagree with you because I don't think that's in their nature. Like their whole thing is we're going to be competitive for 10 consecutive years. And they're probably five years into that or six going back to the 20, I think it was 2018 conference final. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see them giving up massive assets for someone on this market. I, I don't, I think their deadline playbook is, is more or less what it is. They were really in on Timo Meyer deep last year. San Jose picked what they felt was the better offer, which I think in five years, it might be interesting to go back and look and see what that looked like with the centerpiece of the prospects coming back being Shakir Um, And then we'll see. Um, but after that, like, look at what they did last year. They just checked down to a bunch of players that, you know, they thought maybe could kind of help them. Shane Gostisbehere, they took a chance on Yesapoli and that was it. They're like, all right, we'll call well, it. Well, but Frank, you look who's on your trade board right now. There isn't, I mean, Henrique, Lawton. That, that's my point. Yeah, there there isn't star players. Like there, I'm not and I, that's that's another, but that's why I feel so confident in saying it. It's not really in their nature, and no one's really available this year that knocks your socks off, at least I, I as I see it. But that, you look at the you look at the way that they're playing, you look at who they are, you look at their structure. If they get a goaltender who's making saves. Johnny thinks no, they're the best I, team I the agree with you. What I'm saying is I think they're going to go after a goalie, but I, outside of that, well, and, if it's, and not it's not flurry, cause you're saying a goalie cost who, for, who else, who else do you think if, if, if Flurry's not the guy, what other goaltender do you think? Wait, we actually, we actually have a good question in the chat from Jeremiah Maxwell. He said, would the caps trade Darcy Kemper to a contending team and keep Lindgren? Maybe. I think there's more interest in Lindgren though, than there is in Kemper. Well, because his contract's up sooner, but um, you know he well, seems to be the guy. lesser cap it. Yeah, yeah he seems to be the guy there right now too, though. I, How much does I, the owner in Carolina get involved in everything, uh, Frank? Because I feel like that's always something we hear that their owner gets involved in trades and and kind of gets involved with the general manager, I, maybe more I, than most. I think he's just involved in everything. I don't think it's like a, it's, he's not someone that dabbles or comes in and dinks and dunks around the trade deadline and says, do this or do that. I think he's informed on every facet of their operation, which to the guys that work there, uh, he's just part of the executive team. He's not like some guy that sits in a castle in Switzerland. Like some of these teams have that comes around twice a year and, and pounds their fist on the table. Like he's intimately into every part of what the Canes do from a night to night basis, from, you know, understanding what the lineup decisions are to uh, player movement, to prices on the market for players, to drafting, like scouting. He he's, this is not someone that has sat on the sidelines. He's actually dove in and, done a lot of the work to understand the business and how it operates on a day-to-day basis that he's in on everything. So like he, and he's not going anywhere. He's the boss. He's the man who cuts the checks. Um, or doesn't he, cut the checks from what I <laughs> No, he cuts. No, he, unlike some other teams, he cuts the checks and pays the bills. Um, and I'm making a coyotes joke <laughs> and you know, there, there's no, when it comes to spending on his team to win, there are no shortcuts. 
when if, if if the answer comes down to are you going to help our team win and win a Stanley Cup, he's writing the check every time. It's that he's asked other questions about the other parts of the operation to say, is this making us money? Is this helping us win? And if the answer is no, then he's gone about a different path. And I, there's this complaint about him that I hear all the time. He's, oh, he's too involved and he's cheap. And he's, he's really neither one of those things. Well, I heard he didn't want to pay Johnny Forsland, which I think was, was well, a mistake. That's that's not my business and it's not your business. And well, it's kind what? of my business. Okay, but what I'm saying is it, stick stick to what I was was talking about about the helping your team win. If he feels like the broadcaster isn't helping him win <laughs> and he wants to change uh change jobs or change people or pay less, that's his prerogative. Of course it is. I, I think it's a mistake and I'm going to be judgmental because that's what we do in the media and it is what it is. But you, you mentioned the coyotes and this is my last question that I kind of wanted to ask you about Frank. And I talked about this the other day. I'm sick of their Twitter and their bullshit. I believe they have zero plan and they're grasping and they're throwing shit against the wall and hoping something's going to stick. Um, honestly, I'm someone who was all for them making it work in Tempe making it work in that area. But honestly, at this point, it's I, I've defended mullet arena. I've, I've literally defended them for two years. Now I'm done defending them. I'm sick of it. And I'm annoyed by it. Now give us the latest on the coyote situation. Uh, I think your part of your analysis is accurate. I think they are, they have a site that they like in, it's what I would call North Scottsdale. I would say it would be on the edge of Scottsdale, um, pretty far North of the population center there. And I think there's actually valid questions that no one's really asked about since people were belly aching about Glendale as to whether this is even the right site, but they have zeroed in on a parcel of a hundred acres with the Arizona state land trust that they are uh, allegedly pursuing we don't have any official proof other than them saying it it has not yet appeared on a public agenda which is arizona state law their next meeting with the state land trust is march 14th so a week or a month and one day from today and they've got a lot of work to do i see a lot of coyotes fans are attaching the, you know this idea of pursuing this piece of land as oh like it's going to happen a million things need to happen between now and then a proper appraisal, environmental studies, all these different things that would need to happen. Then the land actually gets posted for auction and the coyotes still need to come in and win the auction. They could also be challenged by government watchdogs because they've gone through two different municipalities in Arizona and have been told to leave either by voters or by city council. So they're in a tough spot. They're trying to do this and avoid a public vote, which is what the referendum was in Tempe when they lost. And the answer, the only answer that the NHL wants is when are you putting steel and shovels into the ground? Mm -hmm. Don't give us a maybe. Don't give us a could be. Give us a firm date. And I, I can only say it this way because this is the best way to say it. The clock is ticking. They don't, you don't get unlimited runway here to tell us when you're, you're moving from a 4,600 seat arena. And I firmly believe that, the, you know, 
whether it was January 31st as their deadline, the NHLPA says the Coyotes have blown through two different artificial deadlines, whatever it is, I think they have at, you know, until May at the very latest to determine what their next step is. And if not, that team's not playing in Arizona next year. If they don't have a firm date and firm plan, it's not happening. They're not, they have to pull up stakes and move out. I don't foresee them playing in Arizona for one more year if they don't have a firm plan. Interesting. I mean, I think that could be the better situation for the league as well, right? Because I just think to Colby's yeah. point, Johnny, it's toxic. Something's got to happen. Yeah. It's two it's decades of losing, up or shut up. of bankruptcies, of different arenas, of now being a laughing stock of, of the NHL in terms of, you know, their setup. Guys feeling like they're not playing in the NHL. They're not earning revenue in, in the way that they should. I think the best play regardless is to pull up stakes and move the team to Arizona, change the brand, change the team name, or move them to Salt Lake City, excuse yeah. me. Change the brand, change the, the logo, change everything. If you look at their picks and prospects, they're actually going to have a really good team in, in two to three years. Like, really good. So... Have them start fresh somewhere else. You, it's probably better than starting as an expansion franchise because you actually have pieces you like. And then come back in five years to Arizona with a proper owner, a proper arena. I don't have any doubt that the Phoenix market can work for the NHL. I just don't think, well, I know with this owner it doesn't. And mm. two, I know that at this site right now it doesn't. So until one or both of those things change, I don't think there's going to be much change from a Coyotes perspective. Well, Frank, I only have one more question for you because I know we got to let you go here shortly, but this is the topic of conversation around the league for the last four days. It feels like, what do you think Morgan Riley gets as far as his number for game suspended? And what do you think is the fair number? My answer to both questions is a, is five, five games. I think it's the same, but different as David Perron, which got six. Mm -hmm. They have very similar suspension and discipline history, which is nothing to speak of. And Perron got the wrong guy. Both were out of anger. Both were non-hockey plays, so to speak, meaning after the whistle. And, I, you know, I, I just think five fits um, based on precedent and history. I agree. I mean, I said it should be at least minimum five yesterday on the show, I think, right, Colby? Because we compared it to David Perron as well. But Kobe, do you have a rebuttal on that? Because I know before we started the show. No, I, listen, I think he's going to get five games, you know, five or six, honestly, is what I think they're going to give him. But I, I think the appropriate number is three, because again, I just think nobody got hurt. And like, everybody was laughing about it. Like, I, I know I come at this from a different perspective than, than mo most people, but I just didn't think it was as bad as anybody thought. I didn't think either thing was anywhere near as bad as anybody thought. Um, and I think injury gets factored into these In suspensions. And they do. And um, I just don't, I mean, look, I, what I think he should get and what he's going to get are different. Like, I, I just think you look at some of these other instances, the Alex Chase on one, the Matthews one. I just, I don't know. Like, yeah, this happened after a whistle. So did the Alex chase on one. I think he's getting five or six games, no doubt. But if I was making the decision, I would give him three games. That that would be my decision. If, if it was my decision, which it's clearly not. And you didn't, you didn't ask me about this part of it, but 
I think it's okay to like the Ridley Gregg slap shot like I did. Yeah. And also think that it warranted a response, which it did. But I think using your stick was the error in judgment. Like you should have just grabbed him and you would have gotten a 10 minute misconduct at the end of the game. And that would have been that. And you would have gotten your retribution. It was just a, a, a quick reaction where he got his hands up and he, he just should have grabbed him. That, yeah. that's uh, I think he, yeah. he definitely deserved a response i love the slap like you can like all these things at the same time yeah. but that's we, across where we're at. Basically what we said yesterday yeah we loved it all we loved the whole yeah. thing we love the villain we love the response nobody got hurt you know i there there's a lot to like about it that that yeah, I, I mean it's not ignited. this isn't me being sanctimonious by saying five games i just think you cross check someone in the face and that's what you're going to get. Like, yeah. Just, no, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, if that happens. So, <laughs> all right, Frank, look, we, we appreciate your time every Tuesday. Frank's with us. You know, he comes on a couple minutes into the show. We love to pick his brain about what's going on. I uh, know you got a lot to do today, Frank. You are a busy guy and I know Megan's going to have you out there shoveling it. Yeah. That's so, um, I don't know if anyone know, will be able to see me out there in this year. I know your kids Can we see some shoveling you. content. I want to see some videos. You Your show kids me. are not helping you that I know for sure. Well, It's, it's heavy today. So I, like, today I'm going to be busting out the snowblower. Oh, big time. <laughs> big time. Yeah. All right, Frank. Well, look, enjoy. Thank you for your time. Um, make sure you check out DFO live today at noon. I'm sure Frank will be on 17 other shows today as well. We won't go through all of them, but uh, him and Tyler, your M truck, 12 o'clock Eastern every day, bringing you all the latest news and updates on the daily face off YouTube channel. All right. And check out Frank's trade targets board. That's starting to get hot. We're, 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 we're coming in hot to the trade deadline. So uh, have a good day, Frank. Thanks, man. See you guys. Thanks, Frank. Kobe, I feel like this trade deadline is just way less exciting than years past. I don't know if that's just my own opinion or if that's just, well, there's of- no Patrick Kane available. I mean, I think that's, that's last year was insane. Jonathan Taves, his name was out there. I mean, there was just a lot of bigger name players out there, but you know, I, those guys aren't usually the ones that come in and make the big impacts. They're really not. But he, here's the one thing I'm going to say. Tampa Bay has a shitload of cap space available right now because of the Sergachev injury. Sergeyev. So yeah. let's like keep an eye on what Breezewa is going to do there because um, he's going to put that eight, nine million dollars to use. I mean, he's already mortgaged their future. So at this point, you might as well just continue Go to all mortgage. In again. I mean, yeah. like what, what, why, why not at this point? So that's to me a sleeper team that I don't think enough people are talking about at the deadline. Um, so we got a couple of, th- a couple of um, people in the chat that have had some, had some decent um, points um, about this whole uh, cross check to the head. There's a little debate going on about Perron. Um, Elias McCracken said, you know, why would it be six um, if it's the same as Perron? And and the complaint is the consistency when it comes to this player safety stuff. And I think that's a valid complaint for fans. I think no two hits are alike, so it's never going to be perfect. But I do think there is a lack of consistency that's really showed up in a heavy, heavy way this year, especially in the last couple of weeks. So that's a good point. Um, by Elias McCracken, great, great tag name or screen name, yeah. whatever you call it on YouTube. Um, and then name. obviously Je- Jeremiah is just going to town on people in the chat right now, just flexing, flexing his knowledge. And I love 
how all in Jeremiah is now on the Battle of Com Ave and college hockey. He was watching the BU Northeastern game I did a couple weeks ago on ESPN. Um, so, so he's all in on college hockey. And it's a perfect segue into a topic right now that's really blowing up a little right now in the media. And it's, it's the whole Canadian Hockey League uh, player eligibility for the NCAA. And I know most people are familiar with this, but the conversation piece right now is that traditionally, if you go play major junior in Canada, which is the OHL, the QMJHL, and the WHL, it's a major feeder to the NHL, you're immediately illegal, uh, excuse me, ineligible for the NCAA because there's a small money component in junior hockey. Why? College players are now getting paid. Players are are days away from becoming employees. The 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 um, Dartmouth players in basketball just got won a, a court case to unionize. So really, there was a, yeah, there's a report yesterday that the NCAA's coaching committee has no interest in allowing CHL players to play, and it's dead in the water. Here's why that I think that's total bullshit. They're going to get sued. And if you're keeping score at home, the NCAA has not won a lawsuit in I don't know how long. They are on the wrong side of every lawsuit. And so I think the the they're going to sue the NCAA to make these Canadian kids who play major junior eligible. And I love it. I want to see the best Canadian major junior league players. Maybe they play 16 and 17 years old, and then they go to college at 18. The challenge is going to be the academic part. Because you've got to be eligible with the NCAA. And I think that's going to force these major junior kids to go to high school. A lot of these major junior kids don't go to high school. They flame out of school in like middle school. And then most of them don't make it to the NHL. They don't take school even a little bit serious. And I'm not saying you've got to be a scholar, Johnny, but at least go show up and get grades and take the tests. And then maybe you can go play in college and get an education. Like, I hope this lawsuit happens and I hope the NCAA's hand is forced where they have to start admitting these CHL players. Imagine if, if these kids who go to OHL and they become studs instead of having to stay in major junior for, for their 18 year old season and 19 year old season, NHL teams will be drooling to be able to put them in the NCAA rather than have to force them into the NHL or, or, let them play against 15 and 16 year olds and score 170 points in juniors, which doesn't help anyone. So I love what's happening right now. And I hope it happens. I feel like you have a little bit of a different point of view on this because it might've bumped your spot off of a division one team. <laughs> um, but, but what, like what could be bad about this for the NCAA? Well, I wasn't really made aware of the situation until recently. I didn't know that this was, you know, in depth of the conversation, but you know, the points you've made have really changed my mind a lot. And I think about it in the sense of <clears throat> the quality of hockey in the States versus the quality of hockey in Canada. And you hear all the conversations now in the last like five, six years about NHL players coming out of the CHL versus NHL players coming out of college. And you look at the last, you know, I want to say five, six years, for the most part, the best defensemen in the NHL the last four to five years have come out of college hockey. Like the three that come to mind are Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox. In my mind, those are three college hockey players. Then you look at Charlie McAvoy, who's another one. Um, you know, obviously there are some overseas players that have come from, you know, the Swedish leagues, the Russian leagues, the Europe leagues, whatever you want to call it. I just think college hockey has become so much better in the last decade. But I also, you know, 
I don't want to come off so biased as an American. I think there is such a positive impact of the CHL of players, you know, going and playing major junior and getting that like 70, 80 game experience. The only thing negative I have about college is that they're only playing 35 to 40 games a year. If your team does well, you know, and that's something that actually Lindy Ruff had talked about uh, this year with the devils is that they have so many young defensemen this year who haven't played a full 82 game season. They came from college where, you know, a guy like Luke, yeah, Hughes, but Johnny, let, let me just ask you this question. And, I'm just thinking I, both sides here. I'm just thinking I get both sides. It, but but I, because that's what you do. You like to stay on the middle of the fence. I, I like but to be on. a little bit level let me, yes. let me let me let me ask you a couple questions. When you're talking about young kids, okay, and you're talking about development, players develop until what age would you say? Like just give me an age you think Even that they really can develop till. 22, 23. So I would say you're even, I disagree with that. I think players continue to develop into their mid twenties. That's why you see defensemen having their best years at 26, 27, 28 forwards, maybe 25. So I think Mm -hmm. guys develop literally continue to develop. Okay. It might not be a perfectly straight, you know, you might have your dips and whatever, but they continue to develop. Why does an 18 year old kid need to play 75 games in the in or 80 games in the in the OHL or the CHL and be riding on buses and be eating dog shit food. I'm not okay. saying it's better. On, I would never finish. have gotten major let junior me, over let college. Me fi- let me finish. Okay. Mm-hmm. You you play your game, you get on the bus, you eat Subway or you eat pizza, and then you bus all night, you sleep like shit. Tell me what is good about for development for those kids. Yeah, they played a lot of games. But Johnny, when do you really get better? Are you getting better in games? Are you getting better in practice every day? Are you getting better skill development in practice? Off-ice training. This is where you're developing. So I don't buy this whole, they need to play more games at 18 years old. Listen, you're right. Players hit a wall. Young players hit a wall. Look at Patra. He came from the CHL. He hit a major fucking wall. Listen, Playing 75 games against 16, 17-year-olds is not the same thing as playing 75, 80 games in the NHL. So why not build these kids' foundations through the NCAA, in the weight room, good nutrition, not bussing all night, not sleeping in shitty hotels in God knows where, you know, Western Quebec and Canada and and Medicine Hat and, and nothing against these towns. Listen, they're great towns that are great for these small junior hockey places. But from a development standpoint, that's the name of the game. Develop at that age. How is that better than 35, 40 games, a shitload of time in the weight room and a shitload of practice time? I mean, I, that wasn't the original argument. I wasn't saying that the Canadian leagues develop players. I'm, I'm arguing with Lindy Ruff, not you. Oh, okay. I was just, yeah, I was going to say like, it, it felt I'm, like a I'm yelling attack. at Lindy, not you right now. Yeah. No, but I, I think, you know, sometimes you hear players talk about that grind of the 82 game schedule where you can't, you can't deny the fact that the Canadian hockey league is built more like the pro schedule. That's a fact. Maybe the American league schedule, but not the NHL schedule. The, the it's, Canadian it's, Hockey League still plays weekends. There's still a weekend league for the most part. You're just playing three and threes every weekend. Again, mm-hmm. that's shit for development. I did it in my American League career, and it was fucking terrible. You're not getting better playing three games in three days. Sorry. Sunday, you're just trying to not get hurt. 
That's it. That's all you're trying to do is not get hurt. So I just think we're getting smarter with sports science. We're learning about sleep, recovery, flexibility, strength training, all of these things. And I just think that, you know, listen, you want to let these kids play all these games up until they're 18 and then really develop them 18 and 19 year old, 20 year old players like Quinn Hughes, like Luke Hughes, like these kids who, who have done it. Yeah. Okay. There's always going to be an adjustment, but I'm telling you right now, I make the same argument for these kids who came out of the CHL. They look at Patra. He's a great example. He started amazing for the Bruins. He tailed off. He got injured. He was really, honestly, his spot in the lineup totally became in question before he, he decided to have that shoulder surgery. And so I just think that the, the better development model, the less rush, like here's, here's another example, Kevin Korchinski. Okay. He uh -huh. was like the seventh overall pick a couple years ago. It would have done him no good to be in juniors this year, but honestly, he shouldn't be in the NHL either. He should be playing NCAA hockey this year against 24 year olds, learning how to defend, getting stronger and developing. And then maybe he goes and plays in the NHL the following year. Like we've seen Quinn Hughes, Luke Hughes, you know, the list goes on and on. So again, I'm biased, but it just makes too much sense. If we're truly worried about development, it makes too much sense. No, I, I agree with you on that end, but also let me ask you this question. Now, what does that do to the USHL? If kids from, you know, this, the, all the CHL can play college hockey. Cause if you're a kid growing up in the States and you hear that you can get paid going to play in the OHL and can still go play in college. Paid what though? A hundred dollars a week. I don't know. Like just, just I'm asking here, well, here, like, well, here, here's, here's, here's what I would say to that. I think the USHL is a phenomenal league, especially now that the national team plays in that league. And here's but the does thing. It take away from that. Let me, let me finish. I don't think you're going to start losing American kids to the OHL at 16. And here's the reason why, because of education, you want to keep kids in American high schools. Okay. It's a different situation. And maybe there's some sort of rule. I, I don't know, I, they, it, but I don't think that would affect the USHL. I really don't. I think it's a completely different type of player. I also think the USHL is starting to catch up. I really do. If you look at the players, remember this, the USHL feeds the NCAA. The OHL or the CHL, which is the, the overall in Canada, that feeds pro hockey. So there, there are different types of feeder systems there. But no, I don't think it does affect the USHL. And look, we were talking about this before. We're going to have the president of the USHL on here sometime in the next two weeks. Glenn Heffernan, you know, he's, he, he's in charge of the entire league. It's a good question for him, Johnny. It, it's actually yeah. a good question. You know, for once, you, you, you had a good question. So let's <laughs> save that for, for Glenn when he comes on sometime here in the next couple of weeks. Again, we are two co former college hockey players. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just trying to think on the other side of the argument. Like, it'd be nice to hear a Canadian's opinion right now on what they think of this, because, you know, I'm sure there are people that are more familiar with the OHL, the Q, the Q, um, the WHL well, than we look, are. I was pretty like set that. on going that route. I was playing in the Ontario Provincial League as a 15 year old. So I was playing basically in the OHL's farm league. That's kind of what it was. It was a lockout year. So the trickle down effect was, in, was insane. Um, you know, and this was before I went to the national development team, but I was dead set. I was ready to go to the OHL, but my parents weren't letting me. They said, you're going to college. You're, you're playing college yeah. hockey. So um, I, I'm pretty familiar. I did visits in Kitchener, Plymouth. I talked to a lot of teams. 
Um, so I, I have a little bit of experience with that, albeit it was a long time ago, but you're right. I, I think maybe what we try to do is we try to get a guy on who went that path. Um, most, most major league, major league, most major junior players I played with and pro, uh, they, they couldn't believe when I would take them to be you, you know, when I was in Providence and I'd take them up to be you and hit the, hit, hit the bars at BU, they'd be like, holy shit. I should have played college hockey. I remember taking Tyler Sagan during, you know, a call up in Boston to tease pub on a Tuesday tease Tuesday, which was karaoke night. And the ratio of, of, of male to female was 90 to 10. It was unbelievable. Segs was like, I should have gone to college. You know, the amount of guys that uh, pro guys that I took to college bars in Boston that were like, I should have gone to college. I mean, it, it was real. So um, we, we can table this discussion for a, yeah. when we get, we get an, you know, a major league guy, major junior guy on and B when we get Glenn Heffernan on our show in the next couple of weeks, the, the president of the USHL, let's, let's table it and bring it back because I think this is going to stay relevant. I think this topic, we haven't heard the last of it. I, I can't believe, um, you know, I, I haven't heard of it until like yesterday, basically. Uh, I think it's a pretty big deal. So um, I'm definitely interested to learn more as well, because obviously I don't know everything about this topic right now, but I thought you made some really good points and, you know, I usually do, add, Johnny. You I'll, can't be I'll always, add, no, there's a guy on Twitter who said you never have good takes, but I'll always advocate for college. Oh, well, hockey, if it's obviously. on Twitter, it's, it must be true. Dude, Twitter's real. Uh, but let's talk about some of the games tonight because Hold there are X, a lot of good ones. Way. The St. Louis Blues are in Toronto. They've won seven out of their last eight. They're really buzzing here as of late. And obviously everything going on with the Leafs right now, this Morgan Riley suspension could be, you know, a topic of conversation tonight during the game and whatnot, but a pretty big game in Toronto. Then another game I have my eyes on is Boston and Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Boston has not looked very good at a no. all-star break. They've had two pretty bad stinkers, um, both on home ice as well. They've gotten booed twice now this past week by their home fans. So this is a big game for Boston. Yeah, they they moved Marshawn up to the top line or a while. Usually pasta and Marshy have been split at times and now they're going to play five on five together. I saw yesterday the lines for practice. So um, Jim Montgomery called them out. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. I'll be watching that game too. No love loss between those teams, by the way, not no love loss at all. There are 11 games tonight and another game that I I'll probably watch a little bit of is Colorado at Washington. The abs have lost four straight games too. So yeah, uh, this post all-star break stuff is pretty wild. You know, you see the Flames Ed, win four in a row. You see the Rangers yeah. win five in a row. Edmonton has not looked great. Listen, Edmonton yeah. hasn't looked great off the break. Um, Ken Holland said the other day, hard to know what I need to address right now with the way that we're playing. It's amazing how the NHL is such a what have you done for me lately situation. I had Edmonton at the top of my power rankings two weeks ago. They're on a 16-game win streak. How could you not? Now, they, they, they've looked pedestrian. They really have. Um, I think they'll get back going tonight, but Detroit's getting Kane back. Um, you know, so that team is going to continue to push. They're sniffing, they're hanging, they're they're wanting to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think it's great for the league to have them back in the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know how late I'll stay up tonight. Hopefully I'll be able to see that game. And and let me just ask you one final question before we go. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to admit that the Philadelphia Flyers are a playoff team? Are you there yet? Because you're, you're just never there. And like, they just continue to win. Listen, they, they last night, they're just fighting back all game, all game. And then the third period, they go out and they put their foot on Phoenix's throat. Like 
Oh, they beat the Coyotes. Yeah, but listen, the Coyotes have been better this year. They're, they're a team that's hanging around the playoff hunt. I mean, they've had a couple of good wins since since break. They're on a, what, a four-game win streak now? They had a tough yeah, finish. Around. They were exhausted going into break. Now, all of a sudden, they're on, they've won four in a row. Yes, they're going to sell some pieces off. Scott Lawton's on the trade board. Walker's on the trade board. Sealer's a name that's out there. But, man, like... How do you keep doubting them? We're 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 into what what's today's date? We're like mid February. Like we're we're not there's, that far off. There's still so much hockey. They have 28 games left. There's so much hockey. But why do you why why are you again? I was not a believer in them until like not that long ago. I kept thinking the same thing. But like Johnny, how long do they have to do it? How long do they have to keep winning games for? for until you to until April fifteenth, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna doubt them until the last game of the season. I'm you? doubting them to the last. Listen, game Listen, you're not really alone. Am. You're not alone. It took me a while to get on board, and I actually think it's it's gonna fuck them because they're gonna be drafting way too low for where they need to be drafting. But man, you can't deny what they're doing. You can't deny what Torts is getting out of certain players. The way he's elevated Travis Konechny. The way he he's he's teaching accountability and the way that these guys play. Look at Morgan Frost. He f- looks like a legitimate offensive threat in the NHL now. So I know I I threw a wrench at you there as we were trying to wrap oh, up the show, but I'm, I mean I I saw them win again last night, and I couldn't wait to ask you that question because every time I text you about the Flyers, you always respond, "Flyers suck." Literally, you give I, me two words. I will pay for your catch. I will pay for a catch dinner. If the Flyers make the playoffs, Johnny, don't don't write checks you can't cash. I, I, I I'm can. not going to feel bad. Generally, I would never let Alex you pick has up to make the reservation, but I'll pay. Generally, for it. <laughs> I would never let you pick up a check. But no, this I, I want. I actually want to bet that. I want to. I'm that. getting appetizers and I'm getting martinis. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm ordering up. Okay. I mean, up. I'm talking multiple appetizers. We're getting okay. some sashimi, some crispy rice. I'm going in like for two, two free dishes sent us though. At least, at least two or three martinis. Like I'm, I'm going all in if you're buying, and I'm not going to feel guilty when the check comes and it's five, six hundred bucks. I want a, a virtual handshake. All right, deal, deal, deal. Cool. All right, the deal set. Um, all right, so you guys all heard it here first. You witnessed it. I am. We'll invite Jeremiah to dinner too. We'll, but you've got to yeah. pay for his airfare. I'm not paying for the flight, Jeremiah. If you want to fly here and come to dinner, you're invited. So, uh, well, I don't know if dinner's happening if the Flyers don't make the playoffs. I don't know if there's a rebuttal to the bet if they don't make it. If they don't, then I'm going to buy dinner. Isn't that just kind right, of deal. cool? cool, cool. Uh, I didn't know if that was a given. Of, yeah, that's a given. I didn't know if you were a stand-up guy like that, but um, that's a given. great show today. So fun having Frank on. Uh, Like I said before, there's 11 games on tonight, so we'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow. I don't know if we'll have a guest. We might just do it, just you and I, and maybe take some questions from the chat. But we want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we'll keep monitoring this CHL uh, college hockey debate and what's going on with all that. But, um, you know, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to Frank. Thanks to our producer, Vic. Any final thoughts, Kobe, before we wrap it up? Jeremiah said he's going to come to New York City for sure. All right. Jeremiah's in done three person right. reservation. Maybe we'll invite someone else and really get that bill juiced for you. Maybe we'll have Vic we'll get Vic down. He nah, loves New York, fuck, our producer, <laughs> big New York guy. So uh, we'll see if, if, if uh, his passports expired or not like Johnny's, but we'll, oh, we'll get him. Yeah, actually. 
I have that reminder literally on my phone. Renew passport today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yep. And now it's snowing. But all right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.